it's fun to think about Thanksgiving week, right? We have guests and, and we're sort of coming off of this week of family and togetherness. And hopefully that kind of Thanksgiving, that gratitude thing has been kind of you're practicing that, right? And it leads us, it leads us to Christmas, doesn't it? In such a perfect way because Christmas reminds us more than anything that God loves us so much that he sent his son down to earth. Jesus coming, his grace, his mercy. And that's what we're thankful for more than anything. That's what springs up this gratitude out of our hearts more than anything is that Jesus came. He came down to earth to to save and to offer us this connection with God that we could never have gotten on our own. Uh, I don't know about you, but are there any people, you guys already have your Christmas trees up? Are you already like lights up? It's Christmas time. Anyone before Thanksgiving got your Christmas? I know Harvey's. Yeah, right? It's like, what? Um, But it makes sense. It makes total sense. Like Thanksgiving leads us to Christmas. It's such a bummer that Christmas is like one of these most busy months of our lives. Like here's this incredible opportunity to consider and ponder this miraculous arrival of Jesus, of God's intervention in our lives, in the world. But unfortunately, it's so busy. We're rushing around. We got so many things going on. There's no time to ponder this mystery. There's no time to consider, like, what does it mean? And what is it, how does it affect my life? And, and so these Sundays leading up to Christmas here at Branches, we want to carve out like just these special moments to consider the magnitude of this event. Jesus coming. What does it mean? How does it affect us? We want to take these Sundays leading to Easter to concentrate, to look at the ways that Jesus brings hope to our lives, that he brings joy, that he brings like real peace, and that his love is real and and impacts us and changes everything. We want to consider that in these Sundays, how this access to God, it comes through Jesus, that he brings hope, that he brings peace, that he brings joy, that he brings love. He shows up in our lives. You know, and there's, in the Bible, of course, there's these four accounts of Jesus' arrival, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, these stories, the good news, the stories of Jesus coming. And, and, and that's cool. We can look at those, and we will in these coming weeks. They paint a picture of Jesus' birth and all the events that surrounded it. But I thought it'd be kind of unique, instead of looking at those in these, these weeks primarily, I thought it'd be unique to look at this old, ancient book from way in the Old Testament, 700 B.C.-ish, hundreds of years before Jesus arrived. It's this book called Isaiah, written by this prophet named Isaiah, which actually his name means God saves. It's a very unique story. Here's Isaiah. He's a prophet, meaning he gets to tell people, the people of God, he gets to tell them what God is saying to them. And so in Isaiah, what's so powerful is these prophets, they would tell the truth about situations, and they would also even foretell the truth about what would come. And Isaiah was famous for this. All of his prophecies, they all came true because hundreds of years, thousands of years later, we still have Isaiah, this book in the Bible that is like legit, that's like this real amazing supernatural account of God's voice speaking to his people through this guy, Isaiah. Now, Isaiah has 66 chapters in it. It's kind of interesting. The Bible has 66 books in it. Oh, right? It kind of, now, the first half of Isaiah is about God's judgment 
and the consequences of disobeying God, kind of like the Old Testament in the Bible too. And the second half of Isaiah is about hope and about how people are going to be rescued by the mercy of God kind of like the New Testament in the Bible, right? It's like Isaiah encapsulates the whole Bible in this one book, these 66 chapters. Now, we don't have time to go through all of them even in a month, but we want to look at some special moments in Isaiah because not only does Isaiah speak to his people, the the Israelites and and their neighboring countries and all of that in 700 B.C., but he brings these snapshots that point a picture to Jesus' arrival. That's going to happen hundreds of years later. And he's going to point to Jesus. And in these prophetic passages pointing to Jesus, we're going to discover some little Easter eggs of like why Jesus came. Like little secrets, some some things that reveal what his mission was all about, what Jesus intended to do, why he needed to come, and what how it affects us and changes our lives. And, And so... I'm excited to check this book out with you, Isaiah. You can kind of find it. You go back into the Old Testament. You'll be kind of looking back, way back. Um, But it's kind of, well, it's actually sort of in the middle of my Bible here, actually. You'll see it, Isaiah. And Isaiah 7, chapter 7, is the very first, one of the first pointers to Jesus in verse 14. Man, you know, over these coming weeks, I pray that we're going to see and hear God's great vision for us in a way that's so down to earth that it allows us to live it even while waiting for it. Let's check out this verse, 714. Here's one of these powerful passages. It says, all right then, the Lord himself, this is, this is Isaiah speaking, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. If you're familiar with the Christmas story at all, this is ringing some bells, right? Here's this picture, this this picture of a a virgin giving birth to a child. They're going to call him Emmanuel. Well, you might know Jesus' name is not Emmanuel. It's Jesus. But this prophecy has two meanings to it. Because in these days of Isaiah, he was speaking to like his contemporaries within his time frame, his, his culture. There was this King Ahaz in Judah, and then this guy was, you know, up and down with his faith with God. And then there's this country, Assyria, that's really powerful and has lots of resources. And, you know, King Ahaz, he sort of like would borrow things from Assyria. He would kind of maybe ask for favors. He would broker some deals when he felt like he needed help. And Isaiah wanted to tell this king, Judah, his, his king, that he didn't need to go to Assyria for help, that God would be the one that could provide for them, that God could be the one to protect them. And that's why he says, hey, there's this birth going to happen, this, this special birth. And, and the virgin is, in some passages, it's kind of like a young lady. It's not necessarily a technical virgin. And this birth of Emmanuel actually happened within Isaiah's time frame and those people. But Matthew, in his story and account of Jesus, will hearken back hundreds of years to this. And Matthew will say, Guess what? That part when when Isaiah said, look, a virgin will give birth, that's about Jesus. Because because in some day that will happen, sure enough, hundreds of years later, Matthew says, an actual virgin, a real virgin would supernaturally give birth to a child. And they're going to call him Jesus. But this Jesus would truly be 
Emmanuel, God with us in every way. And this characteristic of God is true today, that God is with us and he wants to be our protector and our provider. And then we don't need to fear what others might do to us and we don't need to run to all sorts of others for help necessarily or particularly we don't need to compromise our, our faith or our calling to God to ask for help or, or barter or make, make a, you know, a, concessions uh, with others. We can just trust in God. We can actually say, God, you can help me. God himself wants to be that help and protector for us. In fact, a little bit later in Isaiah, God himself describes it like this in Isaiah 41, 10. This is how God says he wants to be with us. Listen to this voice of God right through the prophet Isaiah. In verse 10, verse chapter 41, God says, Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I'm your God. I will strengthen you and help you, and I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. This is God to us, to us today, saying, don't be afraid. I'm with you. I'm with you. We have this chance to to trust in God to go to him when, when we're worried. And the message paraphrase says, don't panic, I'm with you. There's no need to fear, for I'm your God. I'll give you strength, I'll help you, I'll hold you steady, keep a firm grip on you. This is what God wants to say to you and me this morning, that he's with us, that he's got us. God is not at some far off point, you know, um, shouting instructions to us or criticisms or pointing out flaws about our life. no. God is with us. God is with us right in the middle of it all. And he's personally present with us so that we have nothing to fear. We can truly trust him. God is with us. Jesus' arrival at Christmas, it's this dramatic visual of this truth that God is with us, that he's so with us that even though we didn't deserve his love and grace, he gave it anyway, right? That while we were still rejecting God, not even interested in God, he sends his son out of love for us. Jesus arrives on his own will out of this gift of grace, and Jesus goes on to live this perfect life in our place, telling us about God and all the good things about God and inviting us to get in on this second chance of grace and love from God. And then Jesus lives this perfect life and then he pays the price for us of our rejection of God, death. Jesus pays that for us, dies on a cross and then rises again and and offers us this life with God, not based on anything we could do or get our act together enough, but based on what Jesus did. Jesus came all in love, all all in on this thing to, to rescue us, to make things right between us and God. And that's what we're thankful for, right? That's what, we're, that's what gratitude springs up in our heart about. And it, it reminds us how with us that God is. We don't need to fear. We don't need to worry. In fact, I love how Jesus talks about worry. He talks about it himself in, in Matthew 6. And there's, it's just kind of a cool, cool, and encouraging thing that Jesus says. Here's how he says it in Matthew 6, 25. Jesus says, this is why I tell you, not to worry about everyday life. 
whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable to them, to him, than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And then Jesus kind of sums it up down in 32, verse 32. He says, you know, these things like worrying, they dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. God already knows all of our needs, and he's determined to be with us in the middle of it, to help us, to, to protect us, to be with us. I don't know about you, but the place that I forget this, because this is easy to forget, right? That he's with us, that he protects us. The place I forget this most is when I start to imagine bad future scenarios. That's what worry looks like for me. It's imagining bad to worse, right? This imaginary situation. I was working on my, uh, my bathroom this week, and you know, I, I, tr- I tried to unplug this one thing, and I thought I turned the water off, but I didn't quite turn the water all the way off. And when I turned this thing, I heard the sound, the hissing sound in the tube, but I thought, ah, no biggie. And then pop, and then you know, and water is shooting out of the cabinet, and it's filling the bathroom floor, and I'm like, ah, and I'm running through the house, and I find the switch, and I turn it off, and we have every towel we've ever owned on the ground trying to mop it all up. And, and we, we kind of get through that. But, but I'm imagining after I kind of fix it, did I fix it all the way? You know, and what if I didn't? And when I do the thing and I put the pipes back, I'm at night and I'm thinking through this. Well, what if it pops out again? You know, and what if it breaks? And then what if I don't hear it? What if I'm gone? And then it breaks and then it fills up. And I can imagine my bathroom filling up two, three feet high, right, with water. And then the whole floor just falls down in the way to the water, right? And then that affects the hillside that the house is on. And then it just kind of crumbles down, the house falling down in a heap, you know. I'm like, it just goes bad to worse. And I'm just imagining it. And maybe you do that too. You might be facing like a tough test in school or like a project or something that you have to do and it's kind of feels scary and you're like what if I fail and you we imagine these epic failures right we're like it's gonna go so bad what if this happens and then what if that happens what if this goes wrong we we have these things that you know that kind of plague us where it just goes bad to worse we we celebrated families and kids this morning and what what an opportunity that God gives of joy but also what a challenging opportunity it is, right? Heidi and I, we've raised four kids, and there is so many moments to worry about your kids. There's so many moments to say, am I doing this right, being a parent? Is this working out? What have I done wrong, you know? And how did I mess this up? And what if this? And what if my kid does this? And what if they make this choice? And what if that? And we just go down the road of worry. Maybe it's something like your health or or finances, or maybe it's a situation with a family member or a relationship that is just challenging and it's so easy to imagine. What if they do this? What if then I say that? And then what if they say this? And I'm imagining the situation going bad to worse, kind of this doom loop scenario, right? Just bad to worse. And it's so easy to worry about this stuff. But I wonder if we think about that for a second. We imagine these future situations. Where is God in those situations? When you imagine that thing, the house falling down, you know, everything crumbling, the water spilling, is God in there? Like, no. Like, if you're honest with yourself, you imagine, is God in those situations that you've imagined? Probably not. And the reason is because he's not there. Like, 
that's imaginary, okay? Those do not exist, those situations. We've imagined them, and God is in reality. He's with us now, here and now. And when we race off in our imaginations, imagining this horrible situation that is not real, God is like, where did you go? Wait, I'm here. You ran off into some weird imaginary thing. I'm not in that because it doesn't exist, but I'm here now. And Jesus, he's just saying, come back, come back, you know, be with me. I'm here in reality now with you. Why do we, why do, we do that? We, we run off and, and God is, is saying, come, come back, you know, come back to, to the reality, to, to here and now and, and give your cares to God. You know, when we, when we use our creative energy to imagine all of these bad scenarios, could you imagine if we use that creative energy to imagine God's plans for our lives, the, the ways that he loves us and is working his goodness out in our lives every day? What if we imagine that kind of stuff? What if we imagine what God has for us instead? Another thing about those worrying scenarios is they're usually pretty self-focused, right? They're about us and, and how it affects us and how, how it all impacts us. But community, a family of faith like this, reminds us that you are not alone. And there are people here that are here to care for you. We have others in our lives that are here to support us. You can ask for prayer from each other. You can say, hey, pray for me. I'm facing an uncertain situation and I need help. You know, I need God to help me and give me strength. That's one of the beauties of this kind of space, this kind of place that reminds us you're not alone. So what if we could pull ourselves back from these worrying scenarios? And what if we could say, God, you're with me now. You're with me now in this reality. I'm not, this isn't imagined, this is real. And, and so God, help me take one step at a time with you. That's the thing. God is with us. He's with you. Emmanuel, God with us. And Christmas paints a picture of that like no other. God being with us, with us to carry us, to hold us. And so this morning, I want to invite us as we close with a song to, to offer our situations to God, those uncertain things that can tempt us to worry, tempt us to be stressed out and imagine the worst case. What if we took those and said, God, I want to bring those to you. I don't want to go anywhere else to find answers. I want to go right to you and offer those to you. And so I'll have the band come on up if you guys would, and we'll close with a song this morning. If we could remind ourselves of God's promise to us. That promise in Isaiah 41 that God says, I will strengthen you and I will help you and I will hold you up. God's saying, I'm with you. I'm with you here and now. And I wonder if we prepares our hearts to kind of respond in these last couple of moments together. If we could think of a situation or two that we could give to God, that we could trust him with this morning. I know all of us probably have a bunch of them, but we could say, God, this is one I want to trust to you in a new way. So yeah, I want to invite you, if you would stand, if you're, if you're able, would you stand with us this morning? Just as we kind of say, God, I want to open my heart to you and and your presence with us here. Maybe this Christmas, this season, we'll get this truth that he's with us in a deep way. I wanna invite us to as an act of worship, if you're willing. Uh, I thought it'd be kinda of cool to kinda of hold our palms up like this in prayer to God, to say, God, this is my situation. You know, to kinda of offer that situation to God in a physical way today and just say, God, here it is. 
And with open hands, with my palms up, I just want to say, God, I, I give this to you. You know, God, I don't know where to go with this. I can imagine all the worst situations that could occur, but God, I want to be with you. I don't want to run ahead of you. I don't want to miss you in it. I want to recognize that you are with me in it. So let's bring those situations to God this morning as we sing, as we respond to him in our own words and own ways. You say this morning, God, would you come into this situation? Bring me your help. Bring me your protection, God. The psalmist said it like this. His prayer in Psalm 139 says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life recorded in your book, every moment laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They can't be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. So God, help us to discover that truth in a fresh way in these moments. Right now, as we give these situations to you, as we open our lives to you and the reality of your presence with us, lead us, strengthen us, God. Empower us, surround us, protect us. Help us not fear. Help us put our trust in you this morning.